Amen. The text for our meditation is the gospel from Luke 13, read to you just a few moments ago. Well, we are now well into the season of Lent. We're drawing nearer to the cross. And it's there beneath the cross that we begin to understand the true meaning of the season of Lent. It's a season of repentance, a season of another chance. And who among us doesn't want and need another chance? This time of year, golfers go out for the first time of the season. Tee up, and he drives a ball deep into the woods. And immediately he reaches down and tees up another ball and calls for a mulligan. It's another chance, a a free shot. A child fails a test miserably, goes to the teacher and and begs for another chance to retake the test or to do some makeup work to improve their grade. An employee submits a project and he clearly misses the mark set by the boss or by the client. So she pleads for another chance to redo her work and resubmit it. A spouse is unfaithful begs and pleads for another chance to prove their love. The Bible is full of accounts of people who needed another chance. In fact, the history of God's people, Israel, was all about another chance, as was Moses and the prostitute uh, uh, Rahab and King David and the prophet Jonah. And in the New Testament, the saints Peter and Paul, they all messed up. They all failed more than once. They all sinned, but God gave them all another chance. In fact, he gave them patiently chance after chance after chance. He showed them all his mercy. He showed them his grace. And that's really what today's gospel reading is all about as well. This account begins a chapter earlier in chapter 12. Luke reported that thousands of people were already gathering around Jesus. They were trampling on one another. These were pilgrims on their way going up to Jerusalem with Jesus. And he began to teach them many things, including he taught them about the judgment of God And he warned them that they weren't correctly interpreting the things that were going on in the world around them. Well, some of them came to him. They wanted to know how to interpret one of the top news stories of the day. It seems that Pontius Pilate's soldiers had slaughtered a group of Galileans in the temple and had mingled their blood with the blood of their sacrifices. Now Jesus was a Galilean and so these were his people and maybe they were expecting Jesus to come out loudly and strongly condemning Pilate for this massacre. Maybe they were thinking that This was God's judgment upon those Galileans for something that they had done. 
Why did this happen? Who was to blame? Blame Pilate? Or blame the victim? Surely they must have done something to deserve this. Or maybe even blame God. You see, that's where we like to go. But Jesus didn't play the blame game. And Jesus didn't answer the why question. Instead, he asked them a question. Do you think that those Galileans were worse sinners than all the other Galileans because they suffered this way? No, I tell you, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. And then he reminded them of another recent critical event. The 18 on whom the Tower of Siloam fell and killed them. And Jesus asked, do you think that they were worse offenders than all the other people who were living in Jerusalem? Most folks would have called this an act of God. A tower collapsed and 18 people died. Why did that happen? Did God target them because of their sins? Again, Jesus didn't go there. No, I tell you. But unless you repent, you too will likewise perish. So how are we to interpret the top news stories of our day? We're not talking about 18 people. But what about the 6 million people who have died worldwide because of this COVID pandemic? And what about the atrocities that Putin is inflicting in Ukraine? And what about the 53,000 victims of cancer every year in our own country? Or the 42,000 who die from automobile accidents, including a, a group of young college students on their way home from a golf meet this week? And what about the 200 who are murdered every year in our area? including little ones killed while they slept in their beds. What are we to make of those kinds of things? What about the brutality and the tragedies and the illnesses and the accidents? Why do these terrible things happen? And who's to blame? Well, let's blame the perpetrators. We're quick to judge them and assign them the blame. But what about the victims? Did they do something to deserve the things that have happened to them? Were they worse sinners than you and I are? Or let's blame God. Could this be his punishment for something that they have done? Well, you know full well that terrible things can happen to anyone at any time, even to us Christians. And maybe you've experienced some personal tragedy recently, some accident or an illness or the death of a loved one, and you've been tempted to ask why. Or to blame yourself for something that you've done to deserve it. Are you a worse sinner than all the others? Is that how we're interpreting these things? Jesus was emphatic. He said, no, and he didn't assign blame. He didn't answer the why question. 
No, he insisted. We can't interpret these disasters as God's punishment against any specific sin that we might have done. Instead, Jesus gave us the proper interpretation. He said, no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. He calls you and me to repent. And there's a word that we often misinterpret, this word repent. We usually hear it as God's law coming crashing down on us, convicting us, condemning us, nagging us to turn away from our sin. And there is that part of it. But it's also a promise of salvation. It's an invitation to return to the Lord our God. Our catechism teaches that repentance embraces two parts. The first is called contrition. That's the deep sorrow that we feel because of our sins. But the second part is faith. Faith that clings to the promises of God. Faith in our Lord and Savior Jesus. Luther was constantly preaching repentance. In the very first of his 95 theses he wrote, when our Lord and Master Jesus Christ said repent, he willed that the entire life of the Christian should be one of repentance. Repentance always turns you back to Jesus. Today again he invites you to join with that pilgrim throng going up to Jerusalem and to take your place beneath the cross. And it's there beneath the cross that you see that Jesus was the one who has borne your griefs. He carried your sorrows. Jesus was pierced for your transgressions. He was crushed for your iniquities. Jesus was chastised to bring you peace. By his wounds, you're healed. Jesus took your blame. Jesus died the punishment that you deserve because of all of your sins. He died to save you, not to condemn you, and certainly not to cause powers to fall upon you. He went to the cross so that you might have life, that you might have it to the full. The church has always preached repentance. In the very earliest of Christian sermons, Acts chapter 3, Peter preached, repent and turn to God so that your sins might be wiped out and that times of refreshing might come from the Lord. Repentance is all about another chance. To illustrate what he meant, Jesus then told this parable. It seems that a man planted a a fig tree in his vineyard, a choice location. And he waited patiently year after year for three years, but that tree didn't produce not even one fig. And so he said to the vine dresser, cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? Can you blame him? That fig tree was just wasting space. But the vine dresser interceded. 
Sir, let it alone for one more year until I dig around it and put on manure, and then if it bears fruit next year, well and good. But if not, you can cut it down. The vine dresser pleaded for just one more year. During that year, he promised that he would do absolutely everything so that that tree might produce the fruit. He would dig around it. He would fertilize it, everything, so that that tree would have another chance. Now, how are we to interpret this parable? I find it to be one of the most comforting passages in the gospel according to St. Luke. It's all about the incredible patience of our God. Through baptism, God has planted you into his kingdom. He has blessed you and kept you, and he has patiently given you chance after chance after chance to produce a godly life. That's true. There's a limit to his patience. Just one more year and then the judgment comes. And imagine on that day God looking at you and saying, cut it down. Why should it use up the ground? And who could blame him? For in our sinfulness we haven't produced the life that he's looking for. We've wasted space in his kingdom. John the baptizer in his day preached repentance. He said, produce fruit in keeping with repentance, for even now the axe is laid to the, fruit, the root of the trees. And every tree that does not bear fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. That's the terrifying part. That is God's law being spoken to you. Just one more chance. But the good news is the vine dresser. This parable is all about the vine dresser. He's the real hero of this story. It's all about Jesus, the crucified one, who has risen from the dead, who has ascended into heaven, who sits at his Father's right hand, who rules over all things for you, and who is now, even now, interceding for you pleading for you, promising you one more chance to be spared from the judgment, for you to be productive, for you to live a life of repentance. And he even promised that when he comes again, at the end of all critical times, even then he'll be pleading for you. That's the sweet gospel. And that's your comfort in those difficult times. There's your hope. There's your certainty. But, but notice Jesus didn't end the parable. Did that fig tree produce fruit or was it cut down? We don't know. But the message is clear. Brothers and sisters, you have another chance. Now what are you going to do with it? Today as we seek to interpret our times, these critical times, these uncertain times, 
we do so standing beneath the cross. And there we see God's patience with us. There we see his mercy and his grace toward us. There we see his forgiveness of all of our sins. There we see Jesus. And once again, we hear his call. Repent. Amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.